A couple of popular YouTubers have received a big fine for filming in national parks. We talk about the ramifications of commercial filming in national parks and on public lands. We also talk about what next year's camping season is going to look like. Will there be a lot more campers on the road? Will the season be long and huge? Will there be RV shows? We have some data and we have our own thoughts and opinions. All of that and more on this week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. RV Miles is sponsored by L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean is a proud partner of the National Park Foundation, and you can help them support the parks by shopping their limited edition National Park Collection. Every time you purchase products from the National Park Collection, which includes totes, shirts, hats, patches, and more, you're helping to protect, restore, and improve parks throughout the U.S. Search National Park Collection at LLBean.com and be an outsider with L.L. Bean. Seven of the RV Miles podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, are crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip. Each week, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more. If you are... <laughs> we're coming to you... From, Shh, don't say it. <laughs> we don't say where we're coming from anymore. Well, we're coming to you from Oklahoma. We'll say that and a little bit more on why yes. I'm not saying that. The wind is sweeping down the plains <laughs> here bit, in Oklahoma. A little bit later. Uh, we, ha- we moved the 800 plus miles from South, South Dakota, Dakota. Uh, to head down here to the Tulsa area. I suppose I can say that. O-K-L-A-H-O-M-A. And that's where we are. Uh, we gained <laughs> we gained a couple degrees on that long, long wow. drive that we did in two days. We did. So we gained four <laughs> degrees when we got here after 800 plus miles. Then we had cold. Then we had two days that were almost 90 degrees. And then the bottom just dropped out. And I don't even think it hit 50 degrees today. So we we are definitely back in the Midwest. We are home. This is Midwest October for sure. And a lot of people are experiencing the big cold front right now. I know a lot of people have been, there was supposed to be two inches of snow in Wichita, which is not that far from us. Right. And I know that there's a lot of people out West who would really, really like some of this snow, some of this rain that we are getting. And I would love to send it to Colorado if I could. Let's start the show here by talking about internet. We have a lot to talk about on the show, by the way, this is sort of going to be a, a little bit of hodgepodge of some, like a potpourri bag a, a of potpourri, a potpourri of things of new news items and and things about next year's camping season but i wanted to start by talking about um something that's happening this is a story we've mentioned several times oh. before it's just in a different guise it's happening again a, a very popular internet service for folks who travel like us heavily and want a unlimited mobile internet option uh, called nomad internet is uh has well 
I can't say that they've been kicking people off, but AT&T has been kicking people off their plans uh, for over usage. And this Let's is not <laughs> just going forward. All internet providers, please don't get in bed with AT&T. <laughs> they are just the absolute worst. Well, they will, they will it, stab you in the back. The issue is what not even think these twice. are third party companies that, People that people are really trying hard to get unlimited internet out on the road, and it is hard. And for the most part, you have to go through a third-party company like Nomad Internet. And these companies are at the whim of AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, whoever. And what they do is they buy up either corporate plans, or they buy up nonprofit plans, or they buy up old iPad plans that were unlimited, all sorts of stuff, and Technically, they say they're unlimited. You're, you come have us. Mm -hmm. We're the best internet. It is unlimited. I don't know why they say best because it's no better than the anybody greatest. else's. It's the speed wise or anything. But they say come to us because it's unlimited. But the terms of your plan say that you're subject to whatever AT&T thinks. And uh, if AT&T decides that you use too much internet, they can cut you off. So that's not unlimited. Right. I mean, and what they, they don't just like slow you down. They say, uh, you are overusing your plan. You are off our network done Bye. your plan is canceled. We've and been that's, there. <laughs> that's what's happening over the last couple of days. A lot of customers from nomad internet have been getting booted off of their, what they call the very blue plan, which their, their plans are named after the colors of the provider. So the very blue plan is the AT&T. Yeah, it's left everybody plan. very blue. I, it's just, it's crazy to me how we keep getting into these situations as travelers who are looking for reliable internet that we can work from the road, especially in the time of COVID when so many people are on the road or so many people are needing unlimited access in order to do their jobs that we can't seem to get these big three to understand this and provide something that isn't what they did with the road link, which and, was infuriating. Yeah. And it's an, it's a never ending circle. We go round and round the merry-go-round with this because a new company like Nomad crops up and they have these plans. It's the same thing over and over. They're good for a while. They're on, they're in good graces with these companies. And then it, then it falls through and it's just, it's just constant. And the other important thing to know about a lot of these companies, these, these third party resellers, and I, I don't want to paint them all with the same brush, but a lot of them are very small, small operations. I mean, one or two people, and you may have excellent customer service with them at first, but as they grow and grow and grow, a lot of times their operation doesn't grow. and people have big issues with customer service. And that's another thing I'm reading about with this company from a lot of uh, people I know that have Nomad Internet that have gone out and got it recently. So here's my question for you, because you've been following the story more in depth than I have. So for those who are losing this plan, are they being given an alternative? Or is it once your end date arrives, you're done. Your option is to switch to one of their other plans. Okay. So um, there are other non-unlimited options you can go no, to. You, you would be switching to one of their unlimited plans on uh, 
Uh, I, I think they might have non-unlimited too, but they have plans on both T-Mobile. On, I guess that would be a limited on, plan, uh, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, right. Non-limited. <laughs> non, um, I was like, did I just say non-unlimited? <laughs> and then you followed it up and I thought, oh boy, oh boy, we're definitely, it's definitely Friday night. Yeah, they have they have plans on on the other providers, so you can okay. switch to one of those other providers. But there, you know, the prices change, and obviously, if you're you're flipping to T-Mobile or Sprint, not maybe that's not obvious to everybody. But the networks are smaller. Everybody wants to be on AT and T or Verizon's network mm-hmm. because those are the biggest, generally most reliable. Now, I networks. would I would push back on that a little bit. I think a lot of that will have to do with where you plan on traveling pretty heavily in the well, beginning, sure. because we learned pretty quickly when we got West that Verizon just wasn't as reliable as we thought it was going to be. And we actually were seeing Sprint outdo both Verizon and AT&T in places where we would not have expected Sprint to even have an idea of how to yeah. get internet there. But if you so, look at the coverage maps, no, I you understand know, it's that, pretty but, obvious that Sprint doesn't cover some large swaths of the country, though. I understand that. But I'm just saying, if you have a stretch of travel coming up that's going to find you in Colorado, Idaho, in that, that section of the country for a long period of time, that's where you want to do the majority of your travel. Don't just assume Verizon and AT&T are your very, very best options. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, here's the other issue. Um, these unlimited plans are, uh, and by the way, Nomad Internet, I just looked it up. They have, uh, their other option is T-Mobile, mm-hmm. the strong pink the plan. The strong pink plan. Um, <laughs> and, and the T-Mobile plan is a little bit cheaper, but it is not as, uh, it is not as big of a network as um, yeah. the AT&T. So, the other thing about these third-party providers is that the internet that you're getting from them is not priority data. The, the networks have figured out that we're going to give like the highest speed data to our full paying customers, the, the highest priority on the tower, meaning you get your data first. So a lot of the areas that we all go to as RVers have one tower and then a lot of people that visit for a short amount of time and are all on the same tower trying to do the same thing because we're all you know in a giant rv park nearby we're all trying to watch netflix right and all at the same time of the day so if you want priority data because you have to have good data for certain amounts of time you're going to want one of those major carriers so we we generally suggest, and we have an article on this that goes into a little bit more detail on what our current recommendations are, but we generally suggest that you, if you travel a lot and you want good internet, that you travel with multiple carriers uh, because you don't know what's going to be the best where you are, and that one of the plans you travel with is purchased directly from AT&T or Verizon, one of those two. That doesn't have to be your unlimited. That can be your backup. So we carry Verizon phones that we each get 15 gigabytes or gigabits. I can't remember what the, if it's bytes or bits uh, GBs. Uh, of, of a month of tethering data um, so that we can tell, you know, they call it an unlimited plan because it's unlimited on the phone. Yeah. Don't be fooled. It is not unlimited tethering, however. So tethering our computers or TVs or whatever to it, we get those 15 a month each on each of our phones. 
we can do quite a bit of stuff with that, to be well, honest. Yeah. We really can, especially if you don't watch video. If you only watch video on your phone, yeah. you know, if you want to watch Netflix on your phone, that doesn't count towards it. So you can, you know, do all your work stuff separately. Mm-hmm. And then that can that can really get you through. And that got us through for quite a while. It did for a long time before we got the AT&T plan. And there's a lot of work I can do on my phone yeah. just using the data, like just, you know, checking email, responding to emails, doing social media stuff. I don't need to be tethered and I don't need to use that tethering in order to get that stuff done. So I'll put a link to the article where we discuss this a little bit more in the show notes. We also talked about it on a an episode a little bit earlier this year. Um, but we also recommend the FMCA's Sprint plan as an unlimited plan. Uh, it's a really good option when you have good Sprint data and then you could use your AT&T or Verizon phones as backup. A lot but of, you have to be an FMCA member right. in order to take advantage of that. We're going to be back in a moment, um, but we're going to take a break here and um, we're going to talk about next year in camping. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, a lot to think about. Uh, a, as we all sort of emerge, hopefully, from this crazy year and uh, mm-hmm. with all these new RVers and campers and um, and just sort of a new, I hate saying the new normal, the new landscape, whatever you want to call it. It's just a it's new year. It's going to be it's new gonna, and it's yeah. going to be a little different. Um, it's going to so, be different. There's well, no getting around that. We're gonna Camping share, has changed uh, forever. We're going to share what we think about that. and uh, And then we have some like actual real information, not just stuff that goes in our heads. So we'll be right back with that. Fall is here, so it's time to start thinking about prepping for the winter off-season. Whether you own an RV, a travel trailer, or a camper, EmpireCovers.com is here to help protect all your vehicles against Mother Nature. EmpireCovers.com offers high-quality, affordable covers that are engineered to protect. Every cover comes with a free multi-gear warranty to guarantee that it remains durable over time. RV Miles listeners can receive free shipping plus an extra 15% off their entire order. Visit empirecovers.com slash RV Miles or use the promo code RV Miles at checkout. Empirecovers.com. Protect what you love. All right, it's time for the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. The following sports are listed in an order. What is it? Soccer, hockey, American football, baseball, bowling, and golf. I know the answer. It's all in order of how things go. Like two halves, three, what's that say? Periods for hockey, four quarters for football, nine innings for baseball, 10 frames for bowling, 18 holes for golf. That's it. Glad you came up with that all on your own. I did. I was reading really hard in the show notes there, and I came up with it all on my own. We'll have a new brain teaser later on the show. Let's talk about next year, 2021, the year that will be in camping. The year that will be after 2020. (laughs) So uh, we all know that this was a huge year for camping. And I I did a video that sort of breaks down this stuff on YouTube. a little bit more than I'm going to break it down here. Uh, going break it into down. a lot of detail from what we get every year, this thing called the KOA camping report. Um, they did a, a fall addendum that talked about how the summer of camping 
went in. Well, in, yeah, because everything they put out in January, like literally got thrown into a dumpster and set on yeah. fire. <laughs> and it's not. <laughs> That's uh, not what all was supposed to happen. It's not just people who camp at KOAs. It's a, you know, it's a professional survey that KOA just sponsors. And it, and this company surveys all Americans to find out their thoughts about camping and the camping season. And they found out that this year, 50% of the people that camped this year were camping for the first time or hadn't camped in a very long time, like since they were kids or whatever. I feel like that number is actually really low. Maybe. I really feel like it would have been more to 60 or 70% given what we've seen with trailer sales, what we've seen with trying to get campgrounds booked. And just in general, as the season has gone on, I was shocked that that number was so low. Obviously they feel camping is safer because they Mm -hmm. can travel with a bathroom, but that's not necessarily the case with tent campers. A lot of the people that, that most of the people in the survey actually were tent campers. So you are using a, you know, a public bathroom when you're tent camping. But, yeah. Well, uh, they, unless you're the people next to us right now, they have brought their own outhouse. <laughs> yes, so, they have. you know, they're uh, going to use their own outhouse. But obviously it's different than getting on an airplane. I think that's where people mm-hmm. feel the least comfortable. They say about seven to 8% of people feel like airline travel right now is a safe way to travel, which is, you know, obviously not good news for the airlines. No, that hurts. That's ouch. <laughs> but there there are lots of crazy implications for what next year might look like from all of these new campers. Will they come back? KOA asked, and the vast majority of them do not plan to camp again. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, though, of the new new campers. campers. I mean, you know, when you asked me what I thought the percentage number was going to be, I said 20 percent without having read the survey, without having seen anything. I said 20 percent of the people who are first time or new to camping after years and years away, they're going to come back. The actual number is 18 percent. And and that doesn't surprise me, though. If you think about it, we're still talking about millions of people. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about like a few hundred, you know, are going to come back and camp. I mean, we're still talking about a large swath of people, but this was just an alternative as everyone waits for hotels and airplanes and trains and their preferred method of vacationing overseas travel. They're waiting for all of that to return, but they're wanting some way to escape from the house, from just the the day-to-day, and they're choosing camping, being that tent camping, cabin camping, they're renting RVs. I mean, I think that number two includes a large portion of people who did RV rentals. RV rentals were massive this year. Yes, crazy. Outdoorsy has booked 3 million, I think, uh, nights in uh, people who have gone to outdoorsy.com, which is a big peer-to-peer rental site have booked 3 million sites since the company was founded in 2015. Half of those were this year alone. Yeah, it's a booming business. It's a big business. Will it be the same next year? I don't think so. If you figure that the majority of that 100% who were asked were probably people who were renting or didn't buy into, because it's hard for me to imagine that someone who bought into buying an RV is like, mm, no, I'm not taking this out next year. Yeah, you know, that's you know, what we, that's... we've been seeing that a ton of that. And I did another video on this too. A lot of people think there are going to be a ton of used RVs next year because no. all the people that bought them this year are going to want to get rid of them next year. 
No. I think the vast majority of those people had been eyeing them for a while. Yep. And they they thought, well, this is the time to pull the trigger because I can't do much else. They got that final push that they needed yeah. to go in and get that RV. If someone wasn't planning to return to this next year, they're the ones that went to outdoorsy. They're the ones that blew up the RV rental market. Those who have bought are buying for a very specific reason. And they do probably plan to continue to be weekend warriors. And who knows, maybe for the next couple of years, three, four years, whatever. And then we might see a boom in the used look, RVs. Look, I, I think there's going to be a lot of different things happening. You know, everybody is right. There are going to be people that don't want these RVs that they bought and they're going to be selling them. There are going to be people that don't want them and can't sell them because they're going to be uh, underwater on their loans and can't come up with, you know, $10,000 just to charge off. Mm -hmm. There are going to be people that are, that love it and are going to be RVing more. There are going to be people that are now able to work from home when they weren't before and are going to be able to hit the road more. That's going to be a huge amount of people, by the way, that there are so many companies, big corporations that are saying, Hey, now that we've figured out this work from home thing, Right. Maybe we don't need to pay for these office buildings anymore. Yeah, I believe that really those who have bought into RVs, those who have really taken the time to purchase one, and even if they did it in 2020 and it was kind of the kick in the butt that they needed to do it, they didn't do it on a whim. They're not doing it on an impulse buy. I'm sure there are those out there that did, but I really do believe that this narrative that, oh, all these people just went out and they bought RVs and they were crazy irresponsible about it. I don't believe that's the real narrative. I, here. I don't either. I think a lot, I, we've talked to a lot of, a lot of you yeah. are listening right now. A lot of you have been following this podcast because you want to learn about this lifestyle before you pull the trigger. And we've been talking with lots of you through email yeah. and through Facebook and you're, you're, You've been really thorough about figuring this out and deciding, you know, to, to pull the trigger on this. So that's really the, the big thing that leads me to believe that, that these people are not just going to be dumping these things no. right away. So, and now, you know, that leads into the next conversation, which is what is it going to look like trying right. to get a camping spot? Right. You know, what are we going to expect for those of you who are more impulsive and, you know, you think, oh, I want to go out for the weekend and go camping. Hey, we got an extra day this coming week. Let's go camping or something. Well, how hard is that going to be? Let's start with the fact that nobody knows, you know, the, 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 the coronavirus is, uh, is gaining ground again right now as we speak. So nobody knows when that's going to end. You know, who knows what, at, at what date will we no longer feel like the coronavirus is really, um, driving the way Americans travel. Who knows? Never going to know there, until, until it happens, we're, we're not going to know. So there's a big asterisk that goes to any idea that anybody has about what camping might be like next year. That said, I don't think it's going to be as big of a camping year as this year was. I don't either. Just given off the percentage of people who don't plan on camping next year. And I do think as we roll further into 2021, I do think that airline travel is going to start picking up again. I do think there's going to be a little bit more international travel. I do think that people are going to find this country is going to find a way, whether we have a vaccine or whether we have practices in place across the board that help us all feel a little bit safer in what we're doing. However, that all comes together. 
we're going to find a way to start getting back to some of the things that we need in life in order to have a life that feels fulfilled. Now, I do think, however, indoor stuff is going to take longer to come back. Yes. So even though more people may be getting on airplanes, they may be staying in hotels They're going to the beach. (laughs) They might be going to the beach. They might be going to national parks. Uh, They still might be doing a lot of outdoor recreation with us. Yeah. The outdoors are here to stay. Who knows for how long. Well, how does that break down, though, into camping? And this is something we've talked a lot about, because if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you know that we are not individuals who plan really, really far out in advance. We've heard from some of you who already have camping booked through the fall of 2021. I mean, that blows my mind because I don't even have camping planned out for January of 2021. And and this is going to work. I believe exactly like the great toilet paper shortage of 2020 worked, right? <laughs> oh, the because TP shortage. There was never actually a shortage of toilet paper until people started going out and yeah. buy, buying toilet paper Gosh. because they didn't want to be caught in a shortage of toilet paper, which caused a shortage of toilet paper. Right. We start so, grabbing and, and hoarding. <laughs> I forgot about the TP uh-huh. shortage. Boy, that feels so, like a million years ago. Every year we have a bit of an issue in a lot of public campgrounds, state and federal parks, where people go and book a lot of dates that they're not going to end up using because the cancellation fees are so low or the change fees or they're non-existent. Right. And we've talked about this probably a dozen times on this show. The idea that someone's going to dump the weekend before they show up and you can grab something. But that said, that doesn't really help the individual who's trying to book out a vacation. You know, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that that's an opportunity. I mean, yes, people dump sites a week before they go out. I'm saying, we're going to see a lot more of that. I'm saying yes. come January when a lot of sites open up for the summer, because a lot of a lot of public campgrounds are on like a six month basis or they open January 1st for the whole year, whatever it might be. We're going to see more of that than we normally do, mainly just because people are worried that they're not going to get sites. Yeah. So they're going to be booking weeks that they do not plan on using. They're going to be booking lots of dates that they're not going to use, and it's going to be harder to book a state or a federal park in advance next year. I think it's going to be harder to book state, federal, or private. I don't think it's going to matter. I think full-timers, if you're a full-timer and you're listening to this show, I think our challenge for 2021 is going to be schedule to get those spots because what's going to happen and what has happened numerous times to us is that we have found something for Sunday through Thursday. And then we're cut off Friday and Saturday because those weekend campers who have just as much right to be there as we do have booked those spots. And so I think as a full timer, our challenge in 2021 is going to be putting some kind of a, a map together and figuring out how far out in advance we're going to need to book that map. I mean, we are already personally, Jason and I are talking about what is January and February going to look like for us? What state are we going to be in? And then we need to book those. Yeah. Now, 
I hope this isn't encouraging people to go out and just book as many sites as possible and, and, I hope and participate not, in that because, no. you know, that is, that is something that causes a problem. But if you do decide that you're not going to use a site, dump it right away. And cause yeah, a lot of people, you know, it. they think about it, they forget about it, they wait till the last minute and then they finally dump it at the well, end. Treat it like the whole toilet paper debacle <laughs> of 2020. Only take, take what, what you need, you need now, and leave the rest for somebody else. The other thing, too, is if you do go and book private campgrounds with the idea that you you might use it or might not, please understand. We, we saw a lot of this year people getting upset that mm -hmm. they were not getting refunds when they canceled with a private campground um, on either a deposit or the full amount they paid. A private campground does not have to give you a refund if you no. cancel a, a reservation you paid for in advance, well, unless please, it's their policy. Yeah, please read their cancellation policy before clicking that final button and, and making that reservation. Please read it carefully and make sure that this is a trip you absolutely 100% plan on taking or you are 100% okay with that cancellation policy because yeah. they're not going to bend on that. You know, they need to sell those spots in order to keep their business running. And so when you try to dump that like a few days before you're supposed to arrive, that hurts. Yeah. That hurts them. That hurts their bottom line. And we've got a shortage of campgrounds as it is already. And I think we're really going to feel that again too next year. But I don't think after talking about all this campground stuff and then talking about how many people we think, you know, are going to be there, I do really feel strongly that 2021 is not going to be the craziness that 2020 has been. You know, we need more campsites out there, but at the same time, there are enough campsites out there. Sure, They're just not in all the places that you might want to go. So if you want to go to Zion National Park, if you want to go to Glacier, if you want to go to Yellowstone, you might have some issues getting campgrounds in those areas if you aren't top on top of it like you would any year. Mm -hmm. But if you're willing to go to some of the surprising places, some of the places that you um, are going to find the unexpected that or you just don't know quiet. about, that are quieter, that yeah. are more remote, you'll, you'll have, uh, you'll, you'll, I guarantee you, you will be able to get a campsite. And it's you'll be able be to get something out of it, too. I mean, some of our best camping experiences have taken place in the most unexpected of locations. The smallest little towns, the just sort of like what was supposed to be the the stop in between the next big thing. Well, that little stop became the big thing. And, you know, I, I think that's going to be a running theme for us in 2021 as well, is we're really going to be looking to, I think, distance from some of these big top, top locations. I mean, that said, there is some talk about a return to Yellowstone, but I think for the majority of 2021, I'm looking to get us away from the top 10 destinations and, and discover some of the more quieter hidden gems. 2020 was crazy, crazy busy in a very odd way. And so I think for us, 2021 needs to try and be the opposite of that as much as we can manufacture that. All right. Some other areas, I think there are going to be some stresses on next year. <laughs> and even though there might be a reduction in campers next year, a lot of the newer campers, a lot of the newer RV owners that went to some campgrounds this year, 
that are just figuring out the lifestyle, ingraining themselves into it. They're going to start to figure out boondocking more. They're going to be joining companies like Harvest Hosts and, and uh, Boondockers Welcome. Those, uh, those systems, <laughs> those places, like going to boondocking sites, uh, I think boondocking sites that are, that are in popular areas are going to be a lot busier next mm-hmm. year. Um, so I don't, you know, the expectation of, you know, pulling into a, a, a open national forest site or BLM area and there not being anybody camping next to you, throw that out the window right now. I don't think you're going to have as many opportunities to be alone out in, in boondocking areas. next. No, because everyone keeps saying in all of these videos we do on YouTube, this is why I boondock. This is why I boondock so I can get away. And every time I read one of those, I think, well, 20 other people just said that too. Yep. So there's clearly, and you know, you're talking about a particular type of rig, unless you've got something like, unless you're an overlander, you're not going to get way up in there into the forest with your RV. You are going to be limited to where you can go. And that's going to limit a whole lot of other people, too. And hopefully that doesn't mean I and obviously it will mean, but hopefully we're all good about you know packing out our trash and being responsible, um, and yes. being responsible campers, because. We need to be responsible campers no matter where we are. doesn't matter if we're in a private, state, federal, or public lands, boondocking, harvest host, boondockers welcome, doesn't matter. You're always a responsible camper. You're always responsible for your trash. You're always responsible for your noise. You just have to be a good steward of of camping and of L- the land. Lest we get some of the free camping taken away and the free overnight spots. Will. I think places like Walmarts are going to be a little bit overwhelmed with the people that uh, end Don't up take o- my boom barrel from me. I will <laughs> just be so upset. <laughs> and the cracker barrels. <laughs> I, I, think, uh, I think Harvest Hosts um, has been growing and growing and growing and growing rapidly. And uh, not a lot of people have been going to some of the Harvest Host locations this year because a lot of those were closed this year. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these new campers are going to be figuring out Harvest Hosts and joining. Um, And and I think there might be some, you know, either trouble getting some Harvest Host sites or or there might be some overwhelmed hosts, you know. So hopefully that doesn't happen, but it's something to be cautious about going forward. And, you know, places like rest stops, um, I, there, there's just going to be a little bit more challenge, I think, in those systems next year than even there was this year. So watch out for that kind of thing going forward. 2021 definitely promises to be a very interesting year on a lot of fronts. So that's what we think is going to happen next year, as clear as mud as that might be. But we would like to know from you as our question of the week, what your plans are so far for next year in camping. Have you made reservations yet? Are you planning to, what do you think the season is going to look like for you? If you want to go leave it as a comment on the YouTube video version of the podcast or over in the RV miles Facebook group, you can go visit us there as well. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk level of our tanks and have a new brain teaser. Be right back. When it comes to RV travel, weather safety is a top priority. 
which is why the Highway Weather app provides weather forecasts for road trips along every point of your route, adjusted to your time of travel. You can compare forecasts, get recommendations for the best time to head out, get severe weather alerts at rest stops to long trips, and more. Did I mention all of that is included free in the app? For subscribers, there's a hands-free background feature to automatically alert you to upcoming bad weather. To download the app, visit highwayweather.io today or look for it in your iOS or Android app store. Hey, you know, we produce three podcasts every single week here at the, the RV Miles Network. We produce the RV Miles podcast and, of course, the America's National Parks podcast and the Sea America podcast, which, which is our newest, but has been going for about a year now. Over a year. A little bit over a year 14 now. months. We started it in September of 2019, shortly after you came home from the hospital, actually. So we've been doing this sort of weekly ask thing. If you want to find a way to support us um, free of charge, we're giving you ideas for ways to do that. And this week, we want to ask you to head over on whatever podcast app you listen to us on this show. Head over and subscribe to the See America podcast. Because we have done an episode on Carhenge and you need to know about it, okay? We actually got to go <laughs> we did. through Carhenge on our way down here. I loved it. <laughs> it was really cool. It was so kitschy. And what was so cool about it was that we had just done this episode over on Sea America and not even realizing our path was going to take us through Alliance, Nebraska. It did. So we had to stop. I was giddy. I was giddy, like walking up to it. The kids are running towards it and they're they're loving it and they're super excited. And they had known the history because they had listened to us recording that episode. And I'm just laughing. Because I cannot believe that we're there, but I also can't believe how much I loved it. It like, was so, so it was fun. It was so windy. You thought you could have been blown off the yes. planet, but it 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 is truly a real life size <laughs> replica of Stonehenge <laughs> in cars. It's amazing, and we've done some other really great episodes as well on Radio City Music Hall. We've done them on Graceland on the Grand Ole. Opry on the wave organ in San Francisco, which if you don't know what that is, you should. It's such a cool piece of art. We have done some pretty awesome road trip destinations that even if we can't get out to all of them right now, it's been a lot of fun learning about all the amazing places outside of our national parks that are in America. So we hope you'll come over to the Sea America podcast and you will join us over there. You can see the entire collection of what we've done so far over at rvmiles.com slash C-America. All right. It's time to check the level of our tanks. Abby, what is in your black tank this week? Oh, my black tank. It has to go to the fires in Colorado this week. I, You know, we just wrote about the East Troublesome fire that blew my mind to hear that from Wednesday, it was at 19,000 acres. And then by Thursday, late afternoon, it had gained 100,000 acres in 24 hours. It was up to over 120,000 acres were burning. It had crossed into Rocky Mountain National Park. Which is entirely shut down now. Which is now entirely shut down because there's also the Cameron fire that's up north that they've had that to deal with 
Estes Park has been evacuated. The whole area, I mean, and this isn't just like isolated, you know, Colorado, for lack of a better word, just feels like the whole state is burning. You know, the West has suffered, the West and the Southwest has suffered so much through this year with wildfires. And this just seems like just such a a punch in the gut because, you know, they're getting really close there to this time of year being, you know, snow driven and everything's going to get blanketed. And it's just like this last punch in the gut. We've heard from some people who have loved ones there or who are sharing their stories. I have to be honest. I feel like at this point saying my thoughts and prayers are with you. Just it, that feels so disingenuous to me anymore. It just doesn't feel like enough. But they're there. And, you know, I, I hope that they can get this contained. They can get it contained soon. And those people who are wondering whether or not they're going to have homes to go back to have homes to go back to. So I'm really ready for 2020 to be over. It's been a tough year. And this fire just feels like a like I've said a million times already, a punch in the gut. All right, lift us back up with your fresh tank. (laughs) So my fresh tank is today, October 23rd. One year ago today, you finished your final antibiotic dose. You were completely no cardia free today. As we are recording this, this is your one year anniversary I couldn't let that go without fresh tanking it. I know it's not easy for you to talk about. You don't talk about it too much, but I just felt like with everyone who's been here on this podcast, who did that journey with us, I just felt like we all needed to come together and celebrate you because that was monumental. So congratulations, Jason. One year ago today, you told Nocardia where to find the door. And we started moving on to the next chapter of our life. So congratulations, babe. Thank you. It was, uh, you know, it was also the last dose that you had to administer. So, (laughs) well, no, at that point, those last few, I did my own. At that point you were doing your own because those were the self-infusing ones. It was the last trip I had to make to the hospital. And they had that, you know, when I went to go pick up that dose for you, they had decorated the bag, the pharmacy at the hospital, they had decorated the bag and they had sort of this big little, little congratulatory party, like waiting for me when I got there because they had been seeing me for a while there three times every day. And then once a day for almost eight, nine weeks. And so they were just as, as excited and just as proud and just, they felt such a you know, they had been on that journey with us. And so, you know, it was such a wonderful day for so many people, the whole your all your doctors, everyone. I mean, we just, it was incredible that you had come out of that on the other side with something that no one has ever seen. It's like a one in a million chance of getting it. And you, sir, found a way to get it. You know, I, it, I think a lot, I think a lot about, um, about everyone that works at that hospital and that uh, especially in the infectious disease department and what they're going through right now. They're getting smacked around right now with COVID up in North Dakota. And I know that they're dealing with it in Minot and that the hospital is dealing with it now probably more than they've had to this whole time. And so, you know, we continue to think about them too. And 
every time we hit a milestone, we celebrate it not just here, but we celebrate it with all of you who were there with us. We celebrate it with the community of Minot because we never would have been able to do, you would never have been able to do what you did had it not been for the incredible support system that we were blessed with. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, I couldn't have asked for it to be a better experience. You said, you made a comment today that it felt like seven years ago. No, that it's seven decades ago. Oh, seven decades. Like, so <laughs> much I has said- happened in, in the world since you, then. You said it felt like seven decades ago. And I responded, really? Because it feels like it was just seven it, minutes it, ago. It, I mean, yes, but this is the year that will never end. This so. is the never ending story. <laughs> All right, Jay, what is in your black tank this week? So, you know, we love national parks. We love national park service rangers. We love the national park service. Um, You know, it's not easy to have a critique of them, but there is a big problem that a lot of people that like us deal with when it comes to national parks. And it's something that I didn't really realize the depth of until this week. And, um, so what happened was the popular YouTubers, Kara and Nate, they have about 2 million followers. They recently got a phone call, a voicemail from the National Park Service saying, uh, you were filming in the parks without a commercial filming permit and you need to call us back or a warrant will be issued for your arrest. So they did and they've, you know, they worked through it and they basically resolved on having a thousand dollar fine and, uh, a ban from filming anything ever in national parks without a commercial filming permit. So the problem here is, you know, we've got all of these people that record videos in national parks, not, not just national parks, public lands and, uh, and post them to YouTube, post them to Facebook, post them to their social media. And theoretically, if they're making money on them, they're supposed to be getting a commercial filming permit before doing any filming. And that permit with the National Park Service requires uh, a f- uh, an application fee from anywhere between uh, $75 and $300 per permit. And then a two-week waiting period, then theoretical approval. But if you don't get approved, you don't get that money back. If you do get approved, then it's free to film for the first four hours. But most people aren't doing that, right? You go have a vacation and you film it and you put it on YouTube, you're filming for multiple days. So multiple days, it's going to cost you $150 a day. I don't want to sound like, and I know it's really easy to hate on influencers and I, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because, you know, we are a business. We are in parks and public lands and we make money off them. Okay. Can I, can I say no, something? Cause I got to finish. Hold on. I just want to say, <laughs> I think it's okay to complain. Because this is a bogus rule. Well, it, it's bogus. I, I get what they're dealing with. What they're right. dealing with, you know, if you you think about us traveling in a national park and shooting a video of ourselves, just like every other family is doing, but we're, we can potentially make money off of it. And by making money, let me say, like yeah, putting it on YouTube, like maybe we'll make $15 off that video. This is not. Now, Kara and Nate make a heck of a lot of money. And, and they've been very that's open about thing. that. But it shouldn't be based on how much money you make, right? So, but, but then there's also the issue that YouTube makes money regardless of whether mm-hmm. you make money or not. So anything 
put up on YouTube can be spun as commercial. Anything put up on Facebook can be spun as commercial. That's why I'm saying it's bogus because it, the language in the rule is archaic. It has not evolved with the times. It has not evolved with social media and how people make a living anymore. There's also the issue of news agencies who have a First Amendment right to go report on. And a lot mm -hmm. of what we do is news. Yeah. Um, and I thought we were exempt from some of the stuff that we do for news gathering purposes. That was always my understanding. But come to find out, it's actually only breaking news, uh, according to the National Park Service's rules. And what, what is breaking what is news breaking in a news national park is up to them. <laughs> like, um, so if I'm doing a story on glaciers retreating in Glacier National Park, that's not going to be breaking news because that's been happening for a while. Right? right. So that I would require a permit and have to pay for. And I think that's a huge First Amendment issue. This law was written in the year 2000. Um, there were previous versions of it, but the current version of the law was written in, in the year 2000, well before YouTube became one of the, it became the second largest website on the internet. What I think the biggest problem is, is that, you know, if for us, we would have to pay $150 a day to shoot a video for a Hollywood movie with giant crews and they sets, pay $150 and they pay a day. $600 oh. a day. Okay? <laughs> it's like, I'm sure right? they pay as much as we do. And, and you know, the national parks need money. And, and I, I, I know what they're going through. I know they're dealing with all of these sort of adventure filmmakers who are doing base jumping and recording it and all sorts of other stuff. And, and I, I, I get what they're going through, but I counted um, as much as I could over the last 24 hours, at least 400 videos on American national parks submitted to YouTube in one 24 hour period. Yeah. People you are breaking the law. They're, they're, this, there's, and they don't even we, know we it. We can't say, well, everybody, these people should be following the law. It's not going to happen. What, what needs to happen is that the National Park Service provides an opportunity for people to follow the law in, in, a, in an easier way. So, can and in I, an affordable way. Right. Can I go up to the desk where you would get a hiking permit and get a filming permit for that day? As long as I'm not doing, you know, something that involves sets and, and lights and stuff because well, yeah. the, the permit application wants to know uh, they, they want you to submit storyboards. If you have them, a script, if you have them, a shooting schedule, all that. I mean, this is like, oh we are not that and, organized. And, and I'm not even talking about, <laughs> not even talking about like a full YouTube video. Say, say I'm standing next to uh, somebody who, who is pointing their camera at an elk. If you actually, if you go look back and look at our, uh, one of our Yellowstone, podcast episodes posted on YouTube. I threw in a few shots of Yellowstone. It's not a travel video at all. It's us sitting at our RV, but there are some shots like, so I have a video of an elk turning its head at us. All the people next to me doing the exact same thing don't need a permit, but because I'm commercial, I do. But also commercial photographers do not need a permit unless they have a model. Um, or or props or sets or whatever. So two for two two people standing next to each other in a national park, pointing their camera on a tripod at the same bison. One of them presses the shutter button to take a photo. The other one presses the record button to take a video. 
and they're both selling them to like a stock photo and video agency. The photographer is in the clear. The guy who took the video is not. And to me, that's, that's the big, that, that's where we're seeing this huge, the, the, the law not catching up with the times where we have all of these video creators now who are not doing anything that is interrupting the national parks more than all the other tourists. And, and I understand they want to have, you know, if you want me to go fill out a, a, a permit and, and pay a nominal fee and, and you have my information then and all that sort of stuff. So if I do do something, you can contact me. I'll, I think that is all great and fine. It just needs to be easier. And I think there needs to be the, the First Amendment issue needs to be dealt with because also part of the application is does it fall in line with the values of the park? That one's really hard for me to swallow. I, the government cannot be asking that question. They cannot be denying a permit based on that. What if I... They if, don't want that narrative out there. Right. We, we think of these places at na the national parks, you know, they're big, wide open uh, natural spaces to be protected. But then we've got... We've got all the sites in Washington, D.C., you know, right. an, an event that's happening at the National Mall that that I'm going to cover that is is news based without it being breaking news. I have to have a permit for that and it can be denied. That's an issue. It's muddy. It, it, it's muddy. And, it's muddy. And, and a lot of there actually have been people that have fought this. This is this is, I think, the worst part about it is that there have been people that have been charged with um, with these uh, crimes, I guess, and they have fought it. And when they fight it, the National Park Service drops the case because they don't want to take it to court because they don't want to lose and set a precedent. So what I think needs to happen is the National Park Service needs to address this in a way that makes it possible I'm not saying that they should just let people film willy nilly and do whatever they want, but they need to address this in a way that makes it possible for people to follow the law in a reasonable, easy way. It should be like getting a fishing or a hunting license. It should be like getting a hiking permit. It, you shouldn't be made to feel like you're a Hollywood movie trying to come in and take a, you know, a shot of an elk looking at you. No, the National Park Service needs to come into the 21st century and they need to acknowledge how many people learn about their vacations and learn what to do, learn not what to do, learn where to go, learn how to behave and, and inside I, a national well, park because of a video they watched on YouTube because somebody else went before them and said, here is X, Y, and Z. I, I think the National Park knowledge. would say, yes, that's why, yes, we're okay with that. That's why we're not finding those people. We're only that's finding the fair. people, certain people. No, you can't it, do it, that. Exactly. It needs to be fair. It needs to be equitable. You can't do that. It needs to be reasonable. We need to understand what to expect. You don't get to cherry pick. And by the way, I mean, sitting here, we're, we are sitting in a federal campground right now. Breaking the law. In our own RV and recording a podcast. Recording the podcast via audio is fine, but because I've got a camera in front of us right now, I've pressed record on sitting here right now. What we're doing is without a permit illegal in we our are, own RV. We are lawbreakers. We are rebels. We are. And that's what we do with laws are messy. 
they they we've there that's this is our system our system is messy the laws get made they need to be fixed and repaired and and all that sort of that's stuff that's a 20 year that, old that, law that it's needs time, to happen yeah. it's time it's time now for this 20 year old law to get a, a glow up yeah there you go there you go <laughs> Wow. So if you can't tell, this has been on Jason's mind a lot over the last 24 to 48 hours. I mean, for us, it's going to mean less national park videos. I'll I'll be brutally honest. That's what it's going to mean for us, for sure. Because completely changes how we handle our business going forward. And, you know, I want to say one more thing about this and then we're going to move on. One of the nastiest things I think to come out of this entire story that happened to Kara and Nate was that somebody turned them in. The National Park Service didn't just happen upon them. Somebody went and reported them to the National Park Service. And I think that's crappy. Well, because Kara and Nate post their, what kind of money they make. They do, they, they do this thing. um, They kind of like us where they're trying to encourage people to join the, this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And they, they say, this is, this is how we do it. This is, these are our expenses and our income. And they, published that quarterly so somebody took that and they reported they look like look they're making money off that nasty what it our our friend damien mentioned this on facebook is that what it is now is a blueprint for getting youtube channels shut down that you Mm -hmm. don't like yeah it's it it, really is it's it's uh, yeah it's it's a scary (laughs) yeah yeah youtube is a scary world and we're learning that a little bit more Every single day. It's scary out there so in the I, YouTube universe. Look, I don't want to sound like we're complaining. And I know we're that people are vehemently um, protective of national park lands. And we are too. And I know that opening things up to other people to do whatever they want is, is not, is something to bristle against a bit, but we're not advocating for that. We're advocating for what is happening right now. Clear just guidelines to be clear. Yeah. Clear guidelines, updated rules, accessibility so that things like this don't happen so that people aren't threatened with a warrant for their arrest for something they didn't even know they shouldn't be doing. You know, so some even smaller YouTube channel, someone with 11,000 subscribers doesn't get a phone call from the National Park Service. That's really what it has to be. The information has to be readily made available. Had this never happened to these particular individuals, we would not know this. And so now we do know this. We see that there's a, a flaw. And we also see that we have to protect ourselves and make sure that we're following the current law as best we can. And that is really drastically going to change things for us. And Frankly, it's made me a little bit of a grumpy cat. All right, Jay, what is in your fresh tank this week? Uh, my fresh tank is our Garmin 890, our our Garmin, <laughs> our Garmin Navigator. So we have been traveling, as you know, full time for well over four years now, and we have never really had a full time GPS unit. We've always used Google Maps on the phone. Apple Maps. Um, I use Google Maps. Let's right. not get Let's, into it. Let's not get, get into it. Terrible, but Thank you, you use it because it beeps to your watch. Thank you, Garmin, for saving I, our marriage. <laughs> so Garmin was kind enough to send us the the newest Garmin unit that just came out recently. We actually only got it about five weeks ago because they they were um, they were back ordered, and we've been testing it out in that amount of time, and we've now put over three thousand miles on it, and. 
uh, really running it through its paces. And, and I've been really pleasantly surprised with how well it does. I love it. I really experienced it the other day when I had to go and do laundry and grocery shopping and I had to drive into Tulsa and I absolutely loved it. I loved that I could just say, Hey, Garmin, find me this along the route. And it does all of it for me. And I can continue to focus on the road, but have this nice big GPS screen. It's a huge screen. It's fantastic. It takes some of the stress out of driving in a new city completely away. It was great in Tulsa because it it gives you, when you're going through the really busy interstate areas in in a town, it gives you like a, a pink line that follows the lane they want you to be in and tells you tells you exactly where to go it's it's really no nonsense guiding you exactly where you need to be and don't get me started on tulsa highways (laughs) okay oklahoma Oklahoma. is one of our least favorite places to drive and it helped guide me through these terrible on ramps they have in oklahoma (laughs) they're not on ramps they're literally (laughs) like oh you want to get on the highway okay here it is (laughs) here's the Uh, sidewalk that you need to now use to merge onto the highway i love there's so much that's customizable about it um you can go back and forth between uh having the it the system set up for your rv for you know towing a trailer or your your motorhome or whatever it is to just your car so uh, it won't uh, route you around tunnels and and uh, low overpasses if you have it on car mode and you can easily see if you're in car mode or not it uh it dings when the speed limit is about to that change. That is so cool. It's really nice. There are lots of great things I love about it. I love that when you go through we were driving through Yellowstone, it would show the picnic areas, mm-hmm. the the individual little stops through Yellowstone. Uh, what and- I love about it too is that it tells me how fast we're going. That's so. the worst part about it. <laughs> is it, it tells it has a display of the speed limit so she, or, of my speed, which is very accurate, by the it's way. And she can see how fast yes, I'm I going. Can. But, yes, I can. So but, I regularly have to say to you, <laughs> I think you need to slow it down. I would look, like to remind you, you have a trailer back there. It, it's not perfect. Uh, no GPS is where there have been a couple places where it made some missteps and anytime it did i compared it to google maps and google maps was making the same missteps um but the ability didn't though oh please we didn't (laughs) even look the ability to you know like when we were in yellowstone with no cell service Mm -hmm. that's be able to find destinations within yellowstone on it uh because it's satellite based and all the maps are preloaded in it it's fantastic plus it's magnetized to the mount so you can just pop it off and then it's a little tablet. You can bring it inside. You can plan your routes inside your RV. Um, and you, there's even like a web browser if you need that. It has traffic cameras. Uh, so if you're near a traffic camera, it, that, that will pop up on the screen. It will show you the the weather overlaid over your route uh, if, if need be. The, a couple of those features you have to have your phone bluetooth to it to get because obviously um those are internet based things but i'm really happy with it it's about 500 dollars, so that's a that's a big outlay for a lot of people so i don't think it's worth it for every rver but if you are a heavy rver if you rv yes. a lot if you drive a lot uh, i think it is well worth it and oh, i absolutely. have um, never been a fan of at least so far built-in navigation systems 
in vehicles because yeah. they always, in a couple of years, end up becoming so terrible. They get outdated. They really get quick. outdated real quick. And Much like the National Park Service's uh, <laughs> filming laws. Anyway, Gar- Garmin 890, we'll put a link to it in the, in the show notes if you're interested in checking one out. I'm going to do a full review of like all the little features for YouTube here in the coming days, but uh, I'm a fan. Can't wait. I know you can. <laughs> you, you love tech reviews, don't you? I do. That's your favorite. That's your favorite thing. I love them almost as much as I love PBS Masterpiece Theater. <laughs> almost as much as you love brain teasers? Almost. 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 As Would you much like as... to hear a brain teaser? I, after talking about that Garmin, I cannot imagine anything better following that up than a brain teaser. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Starting with the word cool, C-O-O-L. Change one letter at a time until you have the word heat. We're going from cool to heat. Each change must result in a proper word, though. Okay. What is the minimum number of steps required to achieve this change? What are the words that you used to get there? Interesting. Okay. We'll have the answer to that and a whole lot more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. Yes, we will. And hey, we'd like to remind you that if you are enjoying the show, you know the drill. Please head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a five-star review. That helps put RV Miles in front of a whole new audience. And hey, RV Miles all across social media, come over and find us. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Join the RV Miles Facebook group because we want to talk to you. And that is the best way to get a hold of Jason and I. Or email us at editor at rvmiles.com. We always love to hear if you have any suggestions. Until next week, we hope you have a fantastic week ahead of you. Thank you so much for joining us. And keep logging those RV Miles. Bye, everybody. Yeet!